Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages, it is us, the Blunt Force Gamers, and I am your host, King Goblin. Alongside me are sitting my two co-hosts, Darth Blasphemous, hail to the dark side, Kazakhan, the Lord Dragon. The moniker is not here yet again because work. Yeah, Yay. real life. It real happens. life aggro. So it's time for everybody to strap on their pointy two high heel boots and their gardening hats. Yeah, maybe I should take the intro this one. Okay, it's fine. time for us to go back to those good old days of Bonanza, the Magnificent Seven, Gunsmoke, in playing D&D games based in the Wild West. In real life, they were not the good old days, except yeah. for the fact that we didn't have Twitter, YouTube, and Google, and, you know... Internet. Internet. So, <laughs> if yeah. you really wanted to see from the Union, you at least had a chance to do it without Big Brother spying on you. Yeah. Uh, but, yes, that's right. This episode is all about being inside a Louis L'Amour novel while kicking off our boots and letting our Stetsons cool off after a hard day of, well, stealing someone else's cattle. Now, as someone who actually grew up in what's considered the Southwest. Yes, she did. Still part of the West. I gotta say, it's a big part of our history because that's the more recent bit. And we weren't founded as a state till... 1912, but we were a territory for most of that time. I'm still waiting for us to get a president who has the balls to build a wall around your uh, corner of Mexico. Actually, yeah, because he's so Mexican, as you say, I believe. Uh, the, border the border jumped us. Yes, the border jumped you. One day my ancestors woke up and they were American citizens. Nine generations later, here I am. Exactly. <laughs> They're second class citizens, but still yeah. citizens. So we're going to be doing a very Western-themed episode today because we've already done the high seas. And Westerns is a genre that's not really covered all that much in role-playing as far as books and that other stuff go. I believe we got, what, Deadlands? There's a couple other games you mentioned uh, earlier. Aces and Eights. Aces and Eights. Um, and Buffalo Adams Grizzly Robinson Family Tours, right? I can't really think of, of many other ones, but it's an interesting thing, because we discussed guns. You know, my superpower is gun. Yes. And the Wild West, that's, that's really what it was, because you lived or died by being, you know, faster or not there. We're yeah. just not getting into a gunfight at all. Exactly. All right, no. Sometimes you get caught in the crossfire. Sometimes you got caught in the crossfire, true enough. But still, it, it was a thing of you could go out with a six shooter or a shotgun or a rifle and make a name for yourself as a bounty hunter, a lawman, an outlaw. You name it. Oh yeah, you could you could even go from being an outlaw to being just another hired gun to being a sheriff or a marshal. Back in and the days where all you needed was a gun to do something. Yeah, and you I mean, didn't need a driver's license or tax forms and you didn't need to have a internet ID account or have your employer look over your Twitter account to check to see if your Facebook was legit. You just needed a gun and enough ammo to survive. A true libertarian society. Bam! 
But yeah, anyways, the, it, it's an interesting time, at least for us Americans. I know for any of our foreign listeners, they're like, what? But, you know, it, it's the expansionist era. Things were changing. It was, you know, a new, a new era. The Civil War had ended for us, so a lot of people had to come to terms with that. I've had to explain to people why there's, you know... So, um, secessionist uh, memorials and stuff way out this way, and it's because those people had to leave a lot of the times that were well, forced out. I just, I want to say it, mm-hmm. but I can't. We'll we'll talk about it after. So I'll say it in the video game format because they did a play on it. The Saints will rise again. Mm, yeah, because yeah. I, I lived in the south, and the weird part is in modern history because growing up. Uh, before we get into the Cowboy Western stuff, because this is actually modern history. Mm-hmm. The, the whole Cowboy era only ended in the late 1800s, and finally during the early 1900s had that last gasp. And the history of certain events in our uh, history during the 1800s, most notably this little war that we had over a few colonies wanting to just break away from the rest of the U.S. And I'm putting that lightly because, you know, humor and shit, but... That is actually recent history, and growing up, the way they taught history up here in the Pacific Northwest was very similar to the way they taught history in my neck of the woods when I was down south. So it made sense, right? I mean, the stories uh, corroborated each other to an extent that it was still believable because where I lived was the opposing faction's team. I was just out 60 minutes outside McRae, Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Arkansas? I was actually, uh, yeah, outside McRae. Uh, so that was also like another 30 minutes outside of Little Rock, if I remember correctly. So I was like dead center in the middle of the state. Yes, in our Kansas, and goddamn, they hate it when you say that. <laughs> for good goddamn reason. <clears throat> but uh, when I was living down there, the, the history that they taught of that particular moment in our history was very similar. And that's very Wild West type, uh, time frame of history. And... Now here in our modern era, in the last uh, two, three decades, especially in the last ten, holy shit, the narrative has just been flipped on its fucking ear. And true to their word, the South is sticking to their guns, and the North is like, oh no, the war wasn't about this, or these events happened because uh, interpretations were different. And it's like, wait, what? No, you're rewriting shit. Fuck off. Fuck off. But yeah, this is recent. For for us, uh, the Old West is recent history. And quite honestly, I know it seems like it was in ancient times when my grandpappy's grandpappy was doing this shit. But my grandfather grew up in front of a Radiation King television watching movies about the Wild West. Or actually, no, he didn't grow up. My, uh, my grandfather was actually born before <laughs> TVs were available. Um, okay, so my father grew up in front of a television, actually, legitimately uh, watching Old West movies. And at that time, this entertainment was still fresh in the minds of people because the Old West was only 60 years before my father was watching serials and Clint Eastwood and John Wayne. So, yeah, so like your grandfather's grandfather was in the Wild West. Legitimately, my grandfather's grandfather was uh, born and raised during the Wild West era. And considering he's from Oklahoma, he was right in the middle of it. Yeah, and I mean, gaming in this way, it, it's an interesting time because it is, uh, you know, it, it's not like most other wars where the enemy is in their nation or we've assumed them. They're, they're just other Americans who lost and had to move around. 
I actually think uh, I want to make one other point before mm. I totally give the mic over to you because I know this is your deal. Mm. This is your kitten. This is the one you want to pet. You want to pet that kitten until it's bald and wet. So I just want to mention that there was in cinema, because I, I just mentioned John Wayne and Clint Eastwood, they actually didn't like each other. And John Wayne, during his period of doing westerns, wanted to present that the good guys wore white shirts, the bad guys wore black shirts. Everything was cut and dry. The sheriff came into town. He took care of business. The town was saved. Everything was all nice and happy at the end. And it was a very... To put it in effect, it's kind of like a Disney version of the West. Romanticized. It's very romanticized. Where Clint Eastwood, when he came in and started doing his wild westerns, it shook the way that we're doing westerns before because he added in the protagonist who might be an anti-hero. There, there was questionable things done. The romantic subplots were not exactly as... Um, consensual. They were consensual, but not as consensual as you'd expect in a more family-friendly genre at that time. And they turned it on its ear. And uh, Clint Eastwood made you question things, you know, like the morality of the town sheriff. You know, mm -hmm. who's, who before was always the good guy. The sheriff was always the upstanding officer of the law. they represented just the law. They, right? they, yeah, they represented like law. Like I said, they, yeah. they could have been five years ago a cattle rustler and a horse thief. Exactly. So the Clint Eastwood era, uh, when he started coming in on the scene, really shook it on his ear. So one thing I could suggest to anybody who's crafting a Wild West narrative uh, is to watch a lot of cowboy movies, uh, read a lot of uh, books. Of course, I mentioned Louis L'Amour already. Uh, read these books and especially history because this is recent history and you're going to get a lot of massive amounts of data that we actually do know what was going on where, when, and with who as opposed to a fantasy genre where you're kind of just making stuff up and filling in the holes. Yeah, and I mean the important thing is you can even just take it to another extent where the railroads didn't cross the land and tie everything up and end the era as it did in our reality. True. You could ha totally have it that the Wild West continued on because the railroads failed or because of a plethora of things, you could just have it that the Wild West continues. Where For all, well, like in uh, Deadlands, you know, they present it as being, you know, there's necromancy an and magic and it's alternate history. If you're building your own custom Wild West world, the Wild West could have continued on to say a great event transpired and the ghost dance did succeed. Yeah. You know? So the... And you gotta remember, thing. this is a, an era, like, we've been cursed with, you know, cowboys versus aliens. A horrible, horrible movie. Horrible. But you could go back into those times. I mean, you've got um, all this superstition and lore. You know, the skinwalkers attacking cowboys out on the plains. Um, Wendigos up in Alaska. Oh, down here even. Or even in your neck of the woods, if you find a tiny doll in the middle of the desert, run. run. You find a lady, uh, if you're a kid and you find a lady near the water, don't go near her. Yep, don't fact, go near her. If you her. see her, it's too late, so sorry. And of course, you know, uh, we did an episode on animals, and, you know, I did include snapping turtles for a reason. Oh, yeah. I live down there, and uh, in the, when you're doing a Western game, uh, there's a lot of things out there that can and will kill you. And some mm -hmm. of them you won't hear coming. You know, you get a copperhead out there and you're done for. Oh, yeah. And, of course, uh, on top of that, you're also talking about the alternate history. There's also, along with the superstition, there's the um, uh, cultural norms. Like, oh, yeah. if I spit by your boots, it's a different meaning than if I spit on your boots. 
And even besides that, there was a lot more people out there. Like, there were recently freed slaves that had headed out west to do their own, you know, to work on the railroads. There were um, Asian people who had been, you know, shanghai and brought over here to build railroads. Yeah. There were the plethora of native tribes and all their different intricacies. I mean, it, it's a rich area to, to do a campaign in. Oh, and very politically viable as oh, far yeah. as if you want to run a story-based game and, and pull politics into it. Oh, yeah. You know. Especially because the, the politics of the era are much smaller scale, right? Sometimes. Maybe if you're like, who's trying to be made sheriff? But if you're going for like, well, the state of Nevada, or Nevada's just been recognized as a state, we need to get our first uh, state uh, representatives going. Then it's large scale. True. Um, but so you have those things where it's like the landowners versus the townsfolk. Or mm -hmm. how one tribe is at war with another tribe, and your town is between those two tribes. Mm -hmm. Stuck in the middle. But one tribe might be from the southern part of Montana, and the other tribe might actually be from, you know, Iowa. Yeah. And they still don't like each other because they were fighting each other long before you came along. And you guys just plop down right in the middle of their war. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. and, and you can go into that so many different ways. And we're just talking about, like, a, a rather base based on this world, but you could take it and flip it and add... Um, orcs and elves and dwarves and all that crap. But just to keep it yeah, in basically a, a Wild West version of Shadowrun. Yeah, Wild West Shadowrun. Wild West Shadowrun. Yeah. Oh, that'd be terrible. Yeah, it could be done. It could be yeah. done. It would be a but, little but weird, so there, but it could be there's done. There's a lot you can do, and you know, the superstitions and magic and voodoo and all that stuff were pretty big at the time as people expanded westward. And you had all the uh, Spanish and native people who had been living here for hundreds of years before that had their own cultures and stuff and there's such a large area but the big thing here is this is where your superpower is gone you know and i'm sure the rules that i haven't gotten too much into deadlands or any of that I've, I've got a bunch of pictures pulled up here but just simply the um the base idea of this is what the game is about you know everyone's got a revolver or there's special magics or whatever like we just watched a video on the basics, and they're like, "Why oh, do okay, I have a revolver in the Wild West when I can get a puckle gun?" <laughs> because transportation. Hey. You need a wagon for the puckle gun, and you can't have it assembled all the time. I can damn well try, because nothing says, "Let my uh, comrades and my friends and my allies, or whoever the hell I'm traveling with, whatever name they go by." Nothing says that I'm part of the team, like laying down suppression fire while they reload their fucking muskets. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, even the muskets were on their way out this time. Well, well, I, I'm guessing because you know, hey, it's uh, first you're starting at first level, and with the way games are, well, you see, start out with the crappiest equipment possible. <laughs> <laughs> see, uh, that's the interesting thing is we don't know specifically with this game, but with with a lot of games where they have it where yeah you, it's level based for the guns you got to be a certain level familiar to use it but we watch all those westerns and you they teach someone how to use a gun over the course of a week well you and well the other thing too is um when you're running a wild west game and, and granted this is uh only a little over 100 years ago now uh, that the wild west was you know nearing the end of its peak if you were a 14 year old boy and you didn't know how to use a gun you weren't a man yet. Yeah. Uh, the age differences were a bit different, of course, for modern settings and stuff. You're going to want to bump it up for certain activities uh, because I'm not going to advocate for 
illicit or illegal things even in a fantasy setting mm -hmm. however in the western genre you got tougher quicker and, you had to well in the 1800s in general unless you were off on like the east coast and even then you still got tougher quicker than the modern uh man or woman got tougher quicker now i mean nowadays you know you're allowed to be on your parents insurance until you're up to 25 they say children up 27. to 25 oh 27 now and back then you like, you were already on your own by the time you were 16 so you would expect that in a wild west game uh when you're building your game as a uh, as a advice from a gm when you're building your game especially for the wild west just like any advice i'd give for any other game Indulge yourself in the entertainment medium of that time period, but try to find the most period accurate stuff. And hell, we still got a lot of documentaries and things about it. So you have a plethora of very recent material to help build your world and actually set it so it's within bounds for what your players would expect now and not feel all fucking slimy inside, but still hold true to the feeling of being out in the middle of somewhere where your only friends are scrub brush and cactus. And there's other things to do, too. You could totally play a game where you start out and you're on the, the western edges of civilized uh, America or equivalent. And um, you, you meet an old prospector and he swears he knows where there's a mine of gold and he hid it because he came back to try and find something, but he was swindled out of all he had. And you got to escort him, so you got a big escort mission to take you across this territory to get to the gold mine where you'll get your treasure. You gotta fight native tribes, other prospectors, crooked sheriffs, you know. Oh, depending on your game, too. Yeah, it could be zombie sheriffs. Oh, yeah, and you, you could end up in the Grand Canyon fighting Egyptian zombies for all we know. Uh, that would actually be uh, Shadows of Brimstone, the board game. <laughs> yeah. So, interesting thing. We're, we're in the book right now, and there's a picture of a guy with a minigun handgun. I would describe it as a handheld rotary gun. Yeah, because yeah. it looks like it's crank. Well, it's cranking on well, both hands on there. So it, it's very interesting because remember, this is the era of where cult made everyone equal. Yeah, it's true that. And you know, there, there's just all kinds of interesting deals you can do. And I mean, they have uh, they have um, a lot of stuff in here, you know. And uh, like I said about the entertainment medium, you. Know, like, things, except for, like, gunfights and the action scenes that we see in, like, movies or books. Oh, wow. Life they... was slower in the West. Oh, yeah. I mean, you... So, anecdotal story from my home state is there were people living up in the mountains. They would herd sheep and, you know, send them off to, to slaughter and sell them if they could to other towns. But, um... It... It would be two years before they'd get news. There'd be like one person who was a runner. Sometimes, literally, they would just run or you know travel their way to the big city to get the news and bring it back to them every like two years. You know, and these were big events. You know, newspapers didn't travel easily. Yeah, but they were always didn't travel. So yeah, you're out. Uh, the communication is a huge factor. <clears throat> excuse me, in a Western game because. They, they shorted this up in fantasy settings. Like, you got spells like Whisper or uh, Screw Bulldoodle's messaging bird thing. Mm. You know, there's different ways to send messages quickly or teleport, you know, to travel. But if we're running any game that has any amount of historical accuracy, any amount, okay, we're talking about zombies and Cthulhu monsters coming out of coal mines. So, 
We're going to take this one with a grain of salt. But a big one. <laughs> a big grain of salt. But in real life, yeah, news traveled really slowly. So if you were living on the west side of the Mississippi, out in the middle of Nebraska, chances of you getting fresh recent news might be six months in between. And if you got a letter from a family member who wanted to visit, they weren't coming over the next night. They were coming over next year. Yeah. Things moved a lot slower, except, you know, of course, in a role-playing game or uh, action scene where you have a gunfight go on. Pretty much everybody's own community is the time zone. Pretty much. Yeah. It's, you know, it. I, I mentioned that it feels like a smaller scale. It's because of this long travel time, right? Mm -hmm. Like, my world opened up when I changed from walking down the street to riding on a scooter to driving a car. My world changed each of those, and that's modern day. Exactly. It's like, it's a, it's a difference between before you have a car to when you get a car. Because before you have a car, you're on a bicycle. You are limited to 10 miles, maybe 20 if you push it, of travel distance that you can go comfortably. And then you get a car, and then you can go into the next state over the same amount of time. But you're in the Wild West, where horses are freaking expensive. But were still <laughs> rather common. They were still rather common, but they were super expensive. So, you know, the average family might have a couple few horses. They might have two or three, but a whole one for every member of the family, probably not. And so if somebody needed to go one way and somebody needed to go another way... Chances were pretty good that dad is going to be riding in town, but his son, to go take care of the cattle, is going to be walking his way out to the other side of the field, which is like two miles across. He's going to be out there for a while. And even then, there's different, There's riding horses, and then there's plow horses. And you don't want to ride a plow horse anywhere, because they're... No. no. They're, they're built for torque. <laughs> they're, they're built for torque. <laughs> but, so interesting thing is... So in this game, apparently, they codified the punishments for different crimes. This would be great in a D&D campaign, honestly. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, they have everything from horse thieving, it's hanging. You'll be hung for that. Hung like a horse. <laughs> I had to. You Attempted murder, 20 years or more. Uh, grand larceny, stealing 300 or more. Uh, goods like in, house, uh, in goods other than horses or cattle. Yeah, five so years or more. Well, horses were basically Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, yep. which is why Grand Theft Equine. Yeah, well, Grand Theft Equine, but yeah, horses were Grand Theft Auto essentially. You were stealing a, like a guy's shipping truck. Yeah, yeah. And if you had a saddlebags on it, literally, you were stealing a shipping truck. Yep. Um, I like how they have here uh, theft from a widow is twenty years or more. Mm hmm. That's crazy. So if you're playing a cowboy and you just killed someone, don't steal her heart. <laughs> but, but so it's an interesting thing to think about we even have an idea of how the law worked in this in this time period in this region dude the ten dollar fine that's that's a lot of money that's for a that. year's wages that's a year's wages basically yeah do not want to screw up yeah so when we get into the wild west and plus you know uh, the wild west as we know it is very homogenous uh, especially in the entertainment medium, it always seems to be exactly the same regardless of what era of the Old West it's in, whether it's early Old West or late Old West. Everybody seems to have the same... There's always the, the fucking trains going across the plains. And it's like, wait, is this... What year is this? You mm -hmm. know, it's like... And of course, um, 
there's a lot of rewards though however I mean especially if you're doing like an early old west era game because like right at the end of the civil war right at the end you could have somebody go out there uh, well there was deeds land claims from the government so you get your 40 acres and a mule mm. uh, there was also uh, farm rights that were being given out basically as much farm as you could handle by yourself you had to sow and plant that land and if you managed to keep that farm operational for a set amount of time, I think it was two years, the government would just write off that land to you. Hmm. Straight up. They'd let you keep the farm because you are maintaining that land. Yeah. And they, they needed people to go out there and, and set up st uh, tent posts to basically, you know, further the government's reach of how far, you know, they could claim as government land. Plus, you know, at the end of the Civil War, when you're going out there, especially... Um, in the lower Great Plains area to the southeast, or I mean southwest, oil. Oil. So that's. Well, they didn't really know what to do with oil a lot then. And a lot of the lamp oil was still coming from the fishermen True. who were going out and catching, you know, whales and shit. Because whale oil didn't smoke. It was True. super clean, it lasted a long time after being refined, and you didn't have to heat it up too much to refine it. True that. Um. I mean, one of the big things that was always gold, always someone going after a mine or jewels or Aztec treasure, and the Southwest, or the West, was more than just America. There's also the expansion period of Canada, uh, there's a bunch of regions of Mexico where you could be running around with banditos. Oh, absolutely. There's so much more than just America in this. And, yeah, we, we, yeah, you're right. We pretty much focus on America when you still had, like, the Gulf of Mexico is rife with the Old West mentality. I mean, think about uh, the Magnificent Seven, spaghetti western based on a Japanese samurai movie and story. But um, you get seven gunslingers. They went into a Mexican town in old Mexico. True. true. And they helped defend it against a bunch of banditos. And you could totally do that where you, the players are all hired by this town for peanuts, basically, to try and save them from some banditos. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just... Keep going, dude, or I'm going to say something dumb. So, there's the sheriff's up. But, but so, it's, it's one of those things where you could go beyond that, because you could follow uh, the frontiersmen, well, the frontiering period, really. You could even take some of these rule sets and just take the technology into account and play frontiering stuff in the 1700s and before. Probably. You could follow the, the fur traders through the Great White North as they go hunting beavers and otters and such. And you could just use this similar rule set to do an adventuring game like that. And you're running across Native American spirits and, you know, the the great mechanical culture that was wiped out uh, 10,000 years ago or some shit. Oh, there, there's a lot of room to play, but yeah, it's... You do not have to stick with these standard guys playing cards in the saloon and the tavern winches just now wear fancier dresses and say hun and honey more often than they used to. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's so much more you can do. Running through, you know, the, the great open plains of Mexico trying to uh, find the best route to get this new wagon train going through or trying to stop a, a railroad from going through this one certain valley because the, the spirits in there will use the iron to traverse and start reaping the souls of people in other towns. I'd have to say uh, 
travel in a Old West setting. This is just my purview as a GM and looking at it analytically at the maps. I would have to say that travel from one location, especially across the uh, Lower Southwest, mm. uh, is going to be more dangerous than in a fantasy setting. Well, yeah. Uh, in yeah. a fantasy setting, there seems to be a... When the players, there, there seems to be a tavern or a bar or a hamlet or a village within spitting distance every time the player characters leave. They're like, oh, we're going to head over here. And it's like, all right, you're already prepared. You load up on X amount of rations to carry in your saddlebags and you travel there no problem because you already have the right amount of rations and your horse is already fed and been cleaned and ready for this and you're prepared with your weapons. But in the Old West, uh, especially during the early expansion period, a lot of places weren't settled yet. And if you were traveling from one place to, say, Carson City, and you're on foot, that's going to take weeks, months. Months. But something to understand here, a, a big misconception of people, is the Spanish and the Native Americans had already existed there. I mean, my hometown is over 400 years old. It's older than this country. So there were places, but bunch of light-skinned blonde guys are not going to have a fun time when they walk into a Mexican town. Nope. They're not going to be welcomed at the local Pueblo. And you could travel across there, and if you're a person who's mixed, or you're, you've got the, the sign of, I'm a traitor, I can come through peacefully, or you know, you're a, a Native American, you know, medicine person walking yeah, well, through. Traders, holy men, and doctors are pretty much the only ones who get uh, some amount of gratis. Yeah, and those were basically the only ones. Or, you know, you had to have a good relationship with them. And, or if you're mixed, you know, you can travel pretty well. But uh, if you were able to get by that way, there were places to go. And there there were rivers. But yeah, you wouldn't hit a tavern. You'd be like, all right, we're going to be roughing it for a while. And we don't have tents because those are heavy and expensive. So roll out your bedroll and pray for good weather. Exactly. I mean, it, it's a very interesting way to play because it takes... Some of the, because like you think about playing in a D&D game, like the whole world is filled with people and everything's already been explored and there's some places people have forgotten about, but you can travel and almost find an inn anywhere. You yeah, can like find the world people. of Greyhawk has like over 20,000 years of recorded history. Yeah, which, which is super unheard of. Which is 10 times more recorded history than we have in reality land. So yeah, in D and D, like if you're going from Waterdeep to anywhere, you're pretty much gonna hit an inn by the, or some place to fucking put up your boots for the night with little difficulty. Mm. Yeah. Or some difficulty if you have to kill the local orcs, but you know, regardless. Yeah. Like, there's settlements everywhere, whereas in an old west setting, true to Rumen. form, if you're going across Nebraska, you know, for a couple of weeks. You might not see anybody but the other people in your traveling group for a few days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, you know, even then, hey, there's a farmhouse over there. Well, I might be able to sleep in the barn instead of outside. That's a plus. Yeah. And, you know, instead of, like, this in this respite zone, it's just praying functionally on the good-hearted nature of your neighbors. Hey, if somebody out there had a farmhouse and they were letting you uh, bunk down on that hay... They were definitely rolling out the red carpet, and that was a godsend. Mm -hmm. Right? And oh. you typically had to earn your keep. Right? Well, it depends. It's a cultural thing, but if you, you didn't earn your keep, but you offered. You, you would yeah. always offer. Because, you know, offering even just chopped firewood for your breakfast. 
willing to, you know, slop out the pigsty in exchange for a place to stay for them. Yeah, and it's, it's it's a lot more barter. It's a lot less straight currency. It's 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 barter and it's also courtesy. Yeah. Yeah, because if I came to if I was a stranger and I came to your house and asked if I could sleep in your garage for the night, you'd say no. But if you saw that I had been traveling for days and I'm like, look, dude, I'll rotate your tires. You might be more amicable with that because I'm saving you money and time. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, and another interesting thing is, think about this. So most D&D games are like, oh, well, I'll, I'll whittle some, I'll make some arrows on the way. Everyone's tried oh, that yeah. in some group. I, I fucking hate it. I'm like, all right, what's your... Uh, what's your fletching skill? Yeah. But um, in this thing, like, you can't just make bullets on the fly. Unless you're, you know, using a musket, and then you're, you're just being slow. <laughs> you're just shoving shit down the barrel and praying. Yeah. I'm but gonna uh, kill him with a smoothbore, 200 meters. What? <laughs> I fucking dare you. <laughs> All right, dude. Uh, roll three nat twenties in a row, and I might give it to you. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but like, it's an interesting thing to think about, like your supplies, because think about it, you'd have a general store. You're traveling with a. A caravan of uh, wagons that have goods and stuff, but a lot of these people had to make do. So your ammo would be a lot more precious. Oh, your yeah. ammo, everything was a lot more precious. Gun may be a superpower, but ammo is not. Oh, it's like the, the Great West expansion. Like, what you had on your wagon, you had. Yep. You could not expect anybody else was going to give you anything from their wagon or vice versa. And if you were undersupplied for the journey, you were screwed. And you also had to deal with the real life issues of like if a wagon wheel broke or uh, one of the kids breaks a leg uh, you know you died of dysentery is a joke now but, but it's it was not life or death back but it was then. serious business back then and you know it, it's super interesting to think about just the logistics of trying to do a game where you guys just leave out of uh, St. Louis to go to go out west to find your fortune and you make it maybe 200 miles away and die Actually, what would be super hilarious to do is, like, start a game where the characters, they, they leave, say, like, Austin, Texas. And they're headed to, um, we'll say, again, just because it's fun to say, because it's used in a lot of Westerns, Carson City. Mm-hmm. And the characters decide that they're going to ride their horses to Carson City. So crunch out the math and then tell the players at the game table to meet you, like, say, in five weeks. There's no game for the next five weeks because the characters are traveling. <laughs> Just to give them an idea of how long it's going to take their characters to travel from point A to point B by horseback with the amount of time allotted. Just be like, damn. Oh, yeah. And there's so many interesting things like hunting. Are you going to waste that bullet or are you going to lay out some traps? Traps is the way to go. Traps is absolutely the way are to go. Are you going to try and take a buffalo down on the open plain by yourself? <laughs> no. <laughs> that is bad news. No. I, Not unless there's a cliff right behind me and I'm wearing a bungee cord around my waist. Even then I'll just jump off before the buffalo gets to me and pray the bungee cord holds while he falls to his death. Then I'm eating good as soon as I figure out how he can get back up. <laughs> You're eating a soup at that point. <laughs> it would be... Blood would, soup is still food. It would still be food. It would be filling... It would do the job. I'll just boil this buffalo. <laughs> yeah, but but so it, it's it takes it into a whole new avenue because like D and D and stuff, it's all high fantasy. Oh, I'm fighting the Tarask for the third time, and I use this magic spell. Well, 
you know, if you, if you take a loose interpretation and play more of a fantasy style with the Wild West, there's a lot of magic and shit going on then, too. I would have to say, between the two genres, though, uh, D&D is high fantasy. It's definitely a uh, power fantasy. Yeah. Whereas, doing an Old West game, and the more you scale back the Old West from the ghosts and ghouls and things lurking out in the woods and make it more historically accurate, it becomes more of a survival fantasy game. Yeah. Absolutely. Whereas surviving a certain amount of time is bragging rights. Yeah. And, you know, then you add in the fact that the natives know about the creatures. They know about the the spooks, right? So we mentioned the Wendigo. We mentioned the Skinwalkers. We mentioned... The Kachina. Kachina. That was a little dog, right? (laughs) Okay, look! All right. You don't find one in the desert by yourself, okay? Okay, let's go with that. Again, I haven't delved too much into local folklore, which is something that I should do. Not local to here, but still. Not local to here, but still. Is there one behind me? (laughs) Not yet. Not a little riled up. (laughs) Remember, just whistle your whole way home. I will. (laughs) I can't wait to hear it. Until the sun sets. (laughs) The sun's going down. I know. So, but it... But, you know, now you've got this survival game, you've got these fantastic, we're going to dick fingers this, entities, you know, skinwalkers and skin witches and who knows what else. The world is a nasty, dangerous place, and even the mundane animals are not nice to you. Mountain lions exist, and they are a bitch. Mountain lions exist, and they are a bitch, but what's worse than mountain lions, especially in a Wild West era in... Especially if you get that one party member who says, I'm going to run off ahead of the rest of the group by leaps and bounds until I'm basically out of sight. All right, fine. Here's a pack of wolves. <laughs> the number one predator against uh, overland humans for millennia. Yeah. A pack of wolves, yeah, the, for millennia. Since we've been banging rocks together and trying to figure out how fire works up until only a few hundred years ago. Wolves were the number one predator we had to deal with. Right. And, and now we turn them into lapdogs with smushed faces. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, let, let's also take a look at moose, right? Moose <laughs> are freaking gigantic. Moose are freaking scary. And it, it's not even necessarily that they're malevolent, but if they get in the mood to be feisty, you're going to lose. You know, actually, when, Your car is going to lose. Here's a fun fact. Even though we're talking about westerns, and moose do, yes... Uh, would exist in a, especially if you're into more northern zones. You want to talk about something big and nasty that affects most of the West. Elk. Oh, well, I was just about to say, though. Do you know what the number one predator for moose is? Orcas. Another moose. Orcas. You got it. <laughs> it it's again wins. It's because moose will dive for underwater seaweed and what have you. Basically, munchings. And orcas are like, hey, that's a big meal. Nom. Yeah. The number one predator for moose is orcas. Who the fuck is in there? It means that you have to have a land animal go out in the ocean before it's, like, actually considered to be threatened by something. <laughs> or, oh, man. And, and not exactly close, either. Oh, and you want to talk about another thing people have to deal with? Bears. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bears. We think bears are bad now. We've cut their population back a lot. We have. And back then you had grizzlies, you had black bears, you had that... One weird fucking dancing bear who always stole my picnic basket. <laughs> there were bears everywhere, different and, kinds. And of bears. I, I guess it's cub, right? Because there was always Yogi and uh, Boo Boo. 
Hey, boo-boo, I would have to be soon and been Hey, boo-boo, hey, how boo-boo. about that picnic basket? Oh, you did it better than I did. And but, a little bit of practice. Oh, man, there's so <laughs> much stuff. And besides that, there are scorpions in the south, snakes almost everywhere. Spiders. Snakes are venomous until after you cross the Cascades. Yeah. Um, there's plenty of nasty spiders out there. Oh, and there were earthquakes and droughts and flash floods wildfires, so much craziness. Oh, yeah. You have to go through that. You could do a pretty good campaign where all you're trying to do is get to San Francisco before it gets filled with shit. <laughs> you, could have a, you could definitely run a game where the only point is to travel from, say, Kansas City all the way over to Omaha. In modern day, that's a day trip. In the Old West, that was going to be a couple of weeks. Easy. If you wanted to do it slow and safe. Because you can only travel during certain times of year for farther distance as well. If you want to get to the small podunk town of Seattle at the time. At the time, yeah. yeah you would have to time. leave the moment the snow broke. And, you, uh, and could, you'd have to hustle. You'd have to hustle and you could not uh, do any traveling after the sun set. So about a good hour when the sun just starts to hit the horizon, that's time to pull the horses off of the uh, wagon... And let them eat their oats and stuff and set up camp because... You're not you, going to be going anywhere, right? You don't now. have headlights and there's no road ahead. You don't know if you're going to you push those horses over a cliff. You also, and, you know, they can't see well in the dark. Horses nope. are not night vision creatures. They're not night. They're not nocturnal. Exactly. And neither are we. <laughs> People are not either. Uh, like, we can be nocturnal and active during the night... But we are not primarily, which is why our eyesight is the way it is. Well, it's an off-topic science conversation we can have later, but I fall into the category three of uh, vision categories for nighttime. So there's actually a survival, uh, evolutionary survival trait we as humans have developed. Um, But that's another topic for another thing. We're doing the Old West right now. Well, another thing about travel is you wouldn't go alone. The dumbest thing you can do is travel by yourself. Unless you were a super skilled survivalist mountaineer type, alone was a bad choice. Even then, the smartest survival people know, I don't have to outrun the puma, I have to outrun the guy next to me. No, no, the smartest survival guys know that if I'm out there and I'm all alone and I break my arm... I'm fucked. I'm screwed. That too. But if I have a... It's like uh, the survival community now says pretty much the same thing as the survival community then. Is surviving alone is near impossible. It takes a um, group. Yeah. You need a small tribe of people. you got to sleep sometime. At best, if you're traveling, you need four or five, maybe up to ten people to have viable sustainability if anything goes wrong. Whether it's a broken leg, someone gets sick... Food needs to be hunted for. The more people you have hunting for something out there, going for game, the better chance somebody has of bagging a deer and you all live. Mm-hmm. And it only takes one. It only takes one guy to bag a deer to feed ten people. For a couple of days. For a couple of days. And you get the skins and you reuse, reduce, and recycle and all that stuff. But if you're one guy in a survival situation, especially on the Old West, and you, you fire that shot and you miss that deer and it bolts off into the bushes... Well, they went dinner for the week. Yeah. Anything goes wrong and you're all by yourself, that's the worst case scenario. There's a reason that when we depict hermits of this time period, they're all crazy and scraggly and most of them are half-starved. 
There were no fat poor people back then. Well, uh, no, there weren't. And the other thing too on that subject definitely is uh, not only did you have the crazy hermits, usually like even a crazy hermit had somebody. And even in the old west genre, humans are social creatures. Mm-hmm. For the most, and even now in our modern era, we have more people now who are clinically or self-described uh, introverts who are basically now getting to the point where even they're not liking the lockdown anymore. It, it takes a lot. But it takes cool. a lot to get us, uh, an introvert to go, God damn it, I wish I could socialize just a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, a lot. And we, like, you know, we were mentioning the crazy hermits, right? Yeah. They'll still go into town. They'll pick a spot, own their own little land, not give a damn about the world outside it unless it needs to, and then they'd go into town so, like, the general store dude was their one and true only friends, right? But they still had social interaction. Oh, it's a, it's a common bit. trope in both uh, writings, uh, movies, and in real life that you get like one of these crazy hermits like you're describing who does the go into town or just live just outside of it. And yeah, like once a month they would go into town, maybe sit at the tavern for an afternoon, and that was their social meter filling up before they ran back home. It was like, okay, I'm done. I'm good for a month. I'm socialed out. Fuck you guys. Yeah. I'm out. And there's just so much you can do. I mean, you can you can play a, a doctor heading out west to go work in a town. You could be a traveling snake oil salesman who's got some actual magic ability or something. And it really depends because if you play even a moderate magic campaign, you could have a lot of fun with this. Oh, oh yeah. absolutely. I absolutely. It's just a matter of finding the right rule set or making it up. I mean. Remember, folks, you can always make a system and just fine-tune it, but you got to find people willing to play it with you. And test it. Yeah, and that might be a bit of an ordeal, but you never know until you try, and you might make the best Wild West system ever. Who knows? You never know. But it's it's a very big genre, and I really want to talk about it because I'm from a place where the, the Wild West was our history. You know, a lot more than here. Um... It's an interesting topic, and it's a game system I haven't seen anyone really do. It, it does seem like one of those underrepresented uh, genres in the RPG, right? E- even with blending it with something else is unusual. Uh, Firefly, a space western, right? That was the whole shtick of the show. The Mandalorian. Actually, The Mandalorian is a better space western than Firefly. Yep. And I'll give you uh, just one example. Season two. Exactly. <laughs> Season yeah. two. See, I shared I, that. Yeah. I know. I know. I've seen those. Among many uh, other things. Wait, wait, no. You don't want to know another thing? They uh, were able to shoot all the episodes of first season. That's true. The uh, Well, the thing about uh, Westerns is we're getting into this. Like, you guys haven't seen it done very often. And I think one of the biggest turnoffs, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I don't know about other people. I haven't talked to them much about it. Uh... But when you look through, like, the Ritz books for Spirit West and Wild West, or you look through Deadlands or some of these other games that have some sort of Western element uh, ingrained into them, uh, like even um, Pathfinder does some Old West stuff, is how tropey it is. It's like if you've played one, you've played them all, because they always include the same saloon bums and gunfights at high noon and the sheriff and deputy who maintain the town and stuff, and then you got the old widow. And, and the corrupted you know, sheriff. The corrupt sheriff and the gunslingers. Uh, everything just seems like it's... A burnout 
It's like a burnout because all of the books and movies that they do for role play seem to be based off of just like one piece of material yeah, instead it, of branching the most out. Tropey spaghetti western you can think of. Yeah, it's like the man with no name, the role playing game. But everybody seems to be doing the exact same thing. And like I actually really like the idea of adding something like magic to it. Because, right? You know, card magic. Spiritual magic. And there he goes, right, right off the bat, card magic, which is included in Rift Spirit West. It was also mentioned in the uh, Deadlands book. Oh, the Deadlands book, though, um, card magic in that, you're actually using cards as a playing aid, so I... I'm, I'm it, it's somehow both, because I've seen both. graphic in this PDF that we're looking at that look like a dude holding a, ha a poker hand, and it's projecting a shield. Another uh, gal is holding what looks like another poker hand. No, I did not expect that. Right, the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody expects with shotguns. <laughs> hey, he's got a side by side. That's an over under there, and that's a long range rifle. Well, that's a lever action. Yeah, those yeah. are those are two lever actions. Okay, that's it, two long range and a short range. Yeah. Well, you, the Spanish you Inquisition. Look. God damn it! With shotguns, they just showed up out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> True to form. Alright, so if anybody out there wants to see the Spanish Inquisition, go ahead and buy a copy of Deadlands. And what the fuck is that? Dude. Whatever that thing that we just saw, that is whack. Well, it's you like know, a spider. Spid spiders actually have a really big thing in Native American lore, so I'm sure there's a couple of them you can fight. Well, that's yeah. certainly not Grandmother Spider. <laughs> that's something else entirely. Yeah, that looked like spider mixed with xenomorph. Ugh. That was... A Cthulhu was, spider. Yeah, it was not good. But what this means is, uh, oh yeah, and the the, the voodoo, right? The the voodoo culture mm. was also present in the Wild West. We met, we touched on it briefly, but all of these things are More unique. In the Southeast, but yeah, but definitely they were all there. unique oh. and all coexisting within this environment, and you can play a lot with that. Instead of just having the spaghetti western duel at noon crap, you've got. All these other options. I mean, haunted ghost towns were a thing. Oh, oh yeah. Well, and yeah. then you've got the Native American spiritual stuff. You've got the. We can see right here, this was the steampunk age. Hell, and you can even go as far now. as uh, just because the Old West happened before the National Park Service really geared up. But if you want to do some missing 411 Wild mm -hmm. West stories. Spook that out. land was yet to be claimed by the government, so anybody could walk in there at that time without any repercussions, uh, checks or balances, or having to pay any fines or fees. You could walk into what would someday become a national forest, and if you go in like <clears throat> the uh, missing four one one creepy pastas, the creepy pastas all say basically those forests are teeming, teeming with supernatural craziness. I mean, you can think about it. You can go up to a place and you find a wagon full of goods. They're just old and, you know, maybe a little rotted. But you find this wagon just abandoned by itself. Who would be dumb enough to do that? Somebody who wants to get out of that place fast. Real fast. Mm -hmm. Real but, fast. But so you, you have the early technological era. You've got a bunch of missing 411. All kinds of stuff you can draw from to make a really interesting game. And I haven't really seen it done much. I would a lot of people see. just want to do high fantasy, power fantasy, or Science even nowadays, fantasy. I'm really getting tired of the superhero games now. I so I've it. been trying to find a group, and I've been on a couple, well, used to call them forums, in a couple 
Facebook groups, and man, oh man, is it just not what I'm looking for. Everyone's wanting to be an Avengers. Or Mary Sue. That too. And, like, and, and you know, there's also the science fantasy, which, again, it's, it's played out. But there's more variety because they're more commonly addressed. True, true. And because of this, like, I think it could be really interesting, like... Someone with a half-decent talent for storytelling could really bring a Wild West campaign or system to life, to vibrance, to to make the world feel as big and scary and crazy as it was, is. Just because we're modern, you know, we've got all this technology now, we can find information easier. But that doesn't mean that the information is any less valid. Well, the information is totally valid. After all, like I mentioned at the very beginning, this is our recent history. These things uh, in the Old West, without the magic and supernatural element, occurred just only a few generations ago. Like, literally, my grandfather was born on the ass end of the Old West going out of fashion. You know, that era was dying as my old, my three generations ago came into play, right? So. This is fairly recent history, and even in modern history, shit changes fast because there are guys now who are getting out of uh, prison who've been in when cell phones were not a common sight or flat screen TVs were not a common sight. You know, so you don't really need a storyteller who's you know overly concerned about you know keeping up with the latest and greatest, but understands that. The world is changing at a hyper velocity right now. And to be able to tell a good story, they've got to understand and look at the history of these things that is happening just yesterday. Yeah. You know, basically cordless telephones, there are people who are still in the slam right now who've never seen one. You know, flat screen TVs, there are people in the slam, you know, doing life who might get out on parole if they're lucky. And their minds will be blown by the fact that we are holding a pocket-sized flat-screen TV in our pocket. When with these the power were, of a supercomputer. With the power of a supercomputer that, when they were put in back in the 80s, did not exist. Back in the 90s. Even. Back in the 90s, even. Yeah, but you're right. You, you can look at, like, the movie Green Mile. Right. Uh, the, the old guy who had been in there basically for life, they let him out because, hey, he's too old, we don't want to take care of him. And he, he's remarking in his little uh, chapter where he gets to talk a lot about how when he was a boy he saw a car once and never again until after he got out of prison and then they're everywhere and everything's moving so fast and you know things don't make sense and they're all real expensive and there's too many people and it's too loud and it's such a drastic change it is it's a huge i mean it's stranger in a strange land right it's it's exactly like that this is not the land I remember. Mm-hmm. This is not the time I remember. Yeah, it's like what if, the hell is happening? It's like if my father had not gone to Vietnam but wound up getting sequestered somewhere far and away and he got out just like a week ago, he would have his mind blown by the fact that we got this thing called an electric car. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, like, or I think... seat belts. Yeah, and the fact that they're everywhere. Because he was born before seatbelts were invented. Yeah. Boom. So, yeah, the Old West was very recent, so 
uh, take it with a grain of salt if you go into the entertainment medium as far as advice goes, because I know we're getting near the ass in here, so I'm going to just start wrapping up with my final thoughts. Uh, with the entertainment medium, take it with a grain of salt, especially with movies and books, because, of course, it's going to be sensationalism, but, of course, your gamers are going to want a little bit of sensationalism. Right. Uh, so go ahead and sprinkle that with some accuracy and check out the uh, some just documentaries or whatever. Look up uh, the uh, videos they got. I think oh God, not the History Channel. Yeah, the History Channel has them too. Yeah, the the History Channel before it became the Hitler Channel. Had yeah, them. the westerns were really big in the nineties for History Channel. True that. Uh, um, there's a lot PBS. of PBS. PBS, yeah, pretty much. Oh, Discovery, uh, there are documentaries on it, because I know they've done some. Uh, hell, you can even go watch Joe Rogan Podcast. We're not sponsored or affiliated. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. has a couple ones with some historians who specialize in the Old West lore. And there's so many civilizations who built things back in those times. Yeah. So there, there's so much more to this time period. There, there's a lot to it. I mean, I know we only think of it as being around 75 to 100 years. But that's still a lot of time. It's still a lot of time. So, anyway, uh, my final thoughts is if you want to run an Old West game and you're not familiar with it, uh, try your first game with your group with a dash of sensationalism that they would expect out of modern cinema with a healthy dose of reality from documentaries so that they can understand that, you know, life wasn't uh, as simple nor as hard as um, modern media makes it out to be. Uh, anyway, that's my final thoughts on the subject. I'm going to go put on my duster now and head back into my casket. Game Goblin out. I would say that a lot of the draw of the Wild West genre is that air of mysticism, of exploring the unknown, of surviving the wilds. And if you can, like, if you can capture that in your game, your players are going to love it. Because I think... I think that's the spirit. Big dick fingers here. That's the spirit of the Old West genre. Is that sort of excitement of discovery mixed with the very real threats of the world. And with that, Kazakhan, back to this guy's. Uh, my final thoughts are take a look at this and apply it to anything. You could have an Old West set in a completely different world where it's simply the expansionist era. You start getting the guns and technology and you can have that clash between the new world and the old. You can have it happen at the turn of the century, you know, the end of the Victorian era, beginning of the Edwardian, when things go from, you know, mysticism and magic to technology in the future. And you could play with that and have put it in any setting, but take the the West of the Americas and just kind of run with it. There's so much you can do. You can do it in Canada and be a fur tracking group, and you run into a group of Wendigos or something, or you get uh, contracted out as some just uh, some bounty hunters who are out there trying to hunt people down. And you just keep getting missions, and they keep taking you to weird, wild places. And read some of the old, uh, you know dime store novels about the West and some of the crazy stuff they did and oh man it's like a it's a D&D player's wet dream for story they're not very well written sometimes uh, and they can be a bit racist but you just check out some of the stuff they came up with in their own time remember this is the era of 
fucking Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn and all that. And really just that boundless imagination and possibility is so refreshing instead of, oh, we're going into a dungeon, we need to fight a dragon. And they're color-coded and alignment-based and keep your little check sheet out and call bingo when you get all the fucking points. It, it, it's kind of nice to have that change of, of thing. And, you know, I think we might have talked in one of these weeks about sci-fi. And all I gotta say is, Hi-ho, Silver! Away! Kaz, hmm. here's some wise advice. Alright. You gotta know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Know when to walk away and know when to run. <laughs> <laughs>